hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love recruiting season and hate hoopies, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Rendine Consulting. Providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Today is Wednesday, June 22nd, and it's that time of year where adults live and die by the choices of high school juniors. That's better. That was like our fifth take of this uh, intro here. <laughs> and all of them, it, they got like progressively creepier, but we eventually, we, we figured it out. But, um... Yeah, it's been an exciting week. I, I think, you know, we throw on the notifications for the PAT signals and kind of try to track down who's committing the University of Pittsburgh, but um, it, it definitely gets a little weird when, you know, you're just hanging on these 16, 17-year-olds, every, every tweet, every social media move, who are they following, who are they unfollowing, um, but it's a fun time. It's always fun to see a guy commits, go look up his huddle highlight tape, uh, it's first thing I do so uh, fun week nonetheless it feels as we get more involved with the program as media which we are capital J journalists uh, I remember how weird it is to like follow teenagers on social media and then I remember like the kind of stuff that I would post about on Facebook to kind of carbon date us a little bit like I, I remember thinking like wow it's kind of weird this this kid tweets so many pictures of him and Baby Yoda, but then I remember, like, how many Facebook posts I made about, like, Girl Scout cookies, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to cut him a break. Yeah, I deleted my old Twitter account, so... Probably a good move. Yeah, probably a good move. <laughs> so it's a good thing I wasn't a, a four-star football commit, because I would be dissected by everything I like or tweet. Yeah, and so uh, you were just an elite cross-country recruit, Pitt Johnstown. More, more or less, yeah. Uh, similar, very yeah, similar. Inaugural class at Pitt Johnstown. Yeah. They, yeah. they put the statue up yet? No, not yet. I, I figured they're waiting for the 10-year anniversary of our 10th uh, place PSAC finish, but I figure that'll get me in there. So while we're on the topic of generational recruits from or about the Pittsburgh area, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do something that we've never done before on one of these shows. We are going to lead off with pit basketball. Yeah. This is uh, not something we would normally do, but I, th- I think this actually warrants it. And yeah. people actually probably care. Did yeah. we think we would talk about basketball again until, like, August? No, I maybe was, September? I think I think we said it last time. It was generally yeah. accepted that we probably wouldn't discuss basketball again until... We said, I think we said maybe October, November. Yeah, to be totally. honest. So, but... Some pretty groundbreaking news for the Pitt basketball program came up, so uh, this is a happy, happy this reason. This is a happy, yeah. Ha- happy reason to be talking about We haven't done one of these yet, either. No. <laughs> breaking a lot of, Pitt basketball is breaking a lot of barriers on this show. Yeah, but let's just go out and say it. Dior Johnson commits to Pitt. Many calling him the squid of college basketball. I heard that by, uh, Jeff Goodman said that, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So Dylan, why don't, you, why don't you take us through the... Just for those who have been living under a rock this June, uh, why, don't you, why don't you take us through the significance of this? Yeah, so 
I mean, the, the simple way to put it is the biggest commitment of the Jeff Cable era. Um, you know, this is a guy who ranked uh, top 50 in the country right now, but, you know, up until, like, the spring of last year, spring of 2021, he was consensus top 10 recruit in his class. Um, he was ranked as high as four, I think, when he was a sophomore. The guy with five-star talent has been in the, uh, you know, the national spotlight since he's been pretty young. Um, and then had been committed to Oregon. That was the plan. He was going to go to Oregon next next fall or whenever basketball starts, uh, whenever school starts. And then out of nowhere, he had decommitted it. And then there was a graphic with Pitt in his top three. Pitt, Washington State, and Mississippi State, I think, yes. I were the three. Because everyone assumed it was going to be Mississippi State. Because he had a visit planned to Mississippi State, but not Pitt. So we thought, well, is Pitt just a filler third team but on the same side of that coin why would you choose Pitt as a filler school for your top three like we are huge Pitt fans I have not heard Dior Johnson's name mentioned with Pitt at all until that day so that was bizarre and then fast forward like 12 hours and he's a Pitt Panther yeah it's definitely one of the odder recruiting stories Um, you know it's kind of out there, one of a kind. But Dior Johnson's kind of a one of a kind player, one of a kind recruit. Um, he has not had a a normal path to the college basketball. Yeah, well, the path, all right. It was a long one. It was it was pretty windy, a long and winding road. One might even say he's more well traveled than like, well, definitely more traveled than me. He's been across the country more than president. Uh, these last few years but um yeah so the the general you know big red flag quote unquote that that this all started with people were like oh well you look at his top three none of those three schools are currently basketball powerhouses um the only time this has to be the only time those three schools have ever been like listed together in any capacity yes Ever. Ever. But, so, that was one thing. It's like, oh, why is he not hearing from bigger schools? Why why don't, why don't is his top three list these three? Well, if you look back, his initial top four were Kentucky, Alabama, the G League, and... Oregon? I think Oregon was in there, too. Yeah. So, those are... Blue chip schools. Well, he, he originally went committed to Syracuse, right? right. Yeah, but I'm talking back like I scrolled through the the IG for for a while. My finger got tired, then I found that one. So that was back, I guess, before he changed two more high schools and maybe some coaches shied away. Yeah. So if you look at his Wikipedia page, it lists nine different high schools that he attended. I think that's blown out of proportion a little bit. Um, so basically, a little bit of the breakdown that the timeline for Theor Johnson as a seventh and eighth grader, he was playing varsity basketball in New York at Sagardy's High School. Uh, I don't know if that's the right pronunci- pronunciation, but uh, some states allow you to play varsity basketball as a, as a middle schooler starting in seventh grade. OJ Mayo did that. Fun fact. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other high-level basketball players. But he went to Socrates, enrolled at IMG Academy, never actually played at IMG, had a, had a foot injury that popped back up later. Um, then he was supposed to go to Finley Prep, which is another, out in Nevada, which is another huge basketball factory, um, has put out several you know, NBA players. 
Um, that school shut down before he got out there, so he never played there either. Um, transferred out to Fairfax in California, in L.A. County. Um, never played there, He tra- which is a public school, Fairfax public school. Transferred to Mayfair before the season started, and he started playing there. So he played at Mayfair as a sophomore. Fun fact, he played with Josh Christopher of the Houston Rockets. Uh, was a five-star, went to Arizona State, so he was his teammate there. Um, so he's playing at Mayfair, um, more of probably a basketball fit thing. Um, and then I'm a little foggy on where the next schools went, but anyway, he was supposed to go to Oak Hill, same thing, had the foot injury pop up, so he never ended up playing there. Went back out to California, played at Centennial. I'm naming all these high schools here, but at the end of the day, he only played at like four or five of them, which still sounds like a lot, you know, four years of high school, four or five different high schools. Um, but that's not as big of a deal as it sounds, to be honest with you, because this is not that uncommon for high school basketball players, especially the elite high school basketball players. Not to get into a whole diatribe of this current, you know, uh, situation with grassroots basketball and in the U.S., but it's really messy. There's a real lot of scummy people, and it's not all scummy, but. Basically, these elite high school basketball players go to these high schools. They're basketball factories. They're barely high schools, and they move around a lot. It's it's the AAU culture. Um, you see it now translate into the college game. Guys transfer every year. So he went to all these different high schools. All that to say, he was a very successful high school basketball player. He won a state championship out in California. He won a lot. He played with a lot of high-level talent, against a lot of high-level talent, played on the Nike EYBL circuit, um, was a high performer there, so... All this to say, don't let the several high schools scare you, but Dior Johnson is, is an elite-level talent and elite-level figure. He has over you know, 580,000 followers on Instagram. The kid is, is larger than life. That's more than Kenny Pickett has. Yeah, a lot more. And it, it's funny because, you know, once again, this is kind of just the state of like youth basketball in America, but these kids are put in the spotlight and are some of the most popular athletes on Instagram from the time they, before they even start high school. You know, these kids have followings as freshmen in high school. It's crazy, um, but that's just kind of the way it is, and Dior is one of those kids. Um, I, you might remember a few years ago, there was a play on SportsCenter Top 10. It was a really big deal because a kid threw an oop through his legs, kid caught it and dunked it, LeBron ran on the court. You know, they were debating it on first take the next day. Skip Bayless saying LeBron's, like, trying to make it all about himself, running on the court at this kid's AAU game. Dior Johnson's the one who threw the pass. Yeah. Yeah, so that just kind of puts in perspective of, you know, he's been in the spotlight for a while now, and he's a big deal. Yeah, LeBron tweeted about him. Yeah. It's pretty high praise. Yeah, he played with Bronny on the AAU. He said, tough, kid can go. Did it include a bunch of those emojis where, like, the the air's coming out of your nose? No, but uh, there's another tweet below it about Amani Bates, and there are two of those emojis. Okay, okay. <laughs> so our guy isn't worth the, the, like, heavy breathing emoji. No, but he said a lot more about Dior Johnson. He said he had two tough shots down the stretch to seal W. Yeah, so LeBron is Dior like- put on a show for LeBron. Oh, yeah. And LeBron is, like, the ultimate old guy tweeter now. Like, I think people are starting to realize more and more that LeBron's, like, 38 years old. Just a legitimate old guy. He's a dad, and he's just using social media like dads do. It's hilarious. So, 
all of this for a kid that just sort of like fell out of the sky for Pitt. Yeah, I I think um, one thing that I don't think has been mentioned as much is how late in the recruiting process this is. Like it's mid June. Like a lot of you know incoming freshmen are already on campus. Like the twins at Pitt our incoming freshmen have been at Pitt for a few weeks and are working out with the team. Um, so having a scholarship available isn't something that every team has right now. Um, you know, and quite frankly, you know, there may be some other things there that scared off some other programs who may have recruited him earlier or, you know, they didn't have the space to pull him in or whatever it may be. Um, but at the end of the day, Pitt had an open scholarship, was ready to take advantage of it. And, out of nowhere just landed the biggest recruit they've landed in the Jeff Capel era and one of the highest rated guards that Pitt has ever landed I was about to say even when Pitt was Pitt they wouldn't get guys of this caliber yeah I mean we'd get like a a Stephen Adams like once in a blue moon Stephen Adams Ken Birch was Dante Taylor those guys were all highly ranked but once again no guards in that conversation this is I believe this is the highest rated guard Pitt's ever landed all I take from the last 30 seconds of conversation is uh, Pitt has not done well with its high-ranked recruits. Yeah, I mean, Ken Birch lasted like a semester and got bullied <laughs> off the team by Tlaib Zana. <laughs> Dante Steve Taylor <laughs> told Dixon he was a one-and-done, didn't he? And yeah. he, he hung around as long as he could. Yeah, yeah. And obviously Steven Adams is, like, objectively the man, but... He was very much a project who had to dip to the NBA as quickly as possible because he had 12 brothers and sisters that he needed to send money back home to. Correct. And I think he just hated Pitt. He has never had a good word to say about Pitt since he left, so... Mm. I mean, it's New Zealand he's coming from. Probably quite the culture shock. Uh, They shot the Lord of the Rings there. They shot the Lord of the Rings there because it's like the most beautiful... New Zealand, because it's the most beautiful place in the world. Oh. Pittsburgh is very famously featured in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, where it was intentionally made to look like a hellscape. So. Not New Zealand. Not New Zealand. Okay. Still the greatest place in the world, but I could understand from his perspective, you know, it's being a little different. Do they have an O in New Zealand? Bring up a good point. Oakland doesn't either anymore. Maybe Hellscape was right. I don't know. Anyway, so obviously this is huge, unexpected news. How do you think this is going to play out tangibly in the 2022-2023 season for Pitt? It's pretty cool because Pitt had a solid stable of guards. How well they'd all work together and how good the team would be yet to be known. But I think we all thought pretty highly of Nellie Cummings, Jamarius Burton, Nike Sabande. And now you add Dior Johnson, that's just probably one of the better backcourts in the ACC if they're all playing to what their potential is. And uh, that's how you dominate college basketball through guards. You don't win by having the best center. You need to have good guards. And Let's see what Jeff Gabe going to do with them all. Let's see if we can uh, run some offense. Seriously. Yeah, I think right away people want to jump from, okay, now we just landed this five-star. Wait. We, we already have a point guard, Nellie Cummings, and how is he going to fit in? Are they going to bring Dior off the bench? Who's going to come off the bench? How is this going to work? How are the minutes going to work? Are guys going to be upset? This is the type of guy, the type of talent, that you bring him in and you figure all that other stuff out later. Pitt has 
not like we've said, Pitt has not had a guy like this. They don't get guys like this very often. Um, so I, I think Theodore Johnson will probably be a starter. I don't think he would have come to Pitt to come off the bench. Typically guys of that profile and that pedigree don't come to teams who are bottom feeders yeah. in the ACC to come off the bench for How them many bench. franchise players do you know that come off the bench? So are we going to be good this year? I So before the Dior commitment, I thought Pitt had a chance to be much improved from last season. Mm-hmm. You look at Pitt's roster last year, they basically had no ball handling. Femi Odakale was playing the point for Pitt, and realistically, he's probably not a Division One point guard, not a Power 5 point guard. He's probably more of a 3, um, maybe a 2, you know. He has a slick handle, he, you know, he can make some moves, looks cool, but you just saw it with Pitt last year. Teams would pressure him full court, and Pitt had a lot of trouble ever getting into any kind of offense. Now they almost have a, you know, a surplus of ball handling. Nellie Cummings has ran the point. Um, he is a true point guard. He can shoot it a little bit. Dior Johnson is a point guard. No ifs, ands, buts about it. Jamarius Burton handles fairly well. Um, Nike Sponde, more of a two, but, you know, can give us some ball handling out there. Um, so now Pitt will actually be able to handle pressure uh, and be able to, you know, maybe get themselves into some offense, which which wasn't the case last year. Another year of experience for John Hughley. They brought in all the other transfers. All this to say, yes, I think Pitt has a chance to be competitive in the ACC next year. I'm not ready to call this a tournament team, um, but I do think this is the best roster Pitt has had under Jeff Cable. Yeah, you just have to look at this from like a firepower perspective alone. Last year there were games where our bench would not score and we'd have a starter that would maybe put up like two and we'd have a walk-on playing 20 minutes. Now we have four high-quality guards around John Hughley. We couldn't get John Hughley the ball because he'd be double-teamed and he'd pass it out to somebody who couldn't create offense. Now he's going to have talented players all around him, and that doesn't even touch on some of the other transfers that we got who are pretty solid players. Yeah, I mean, it's like Jeff Capel's recruiting for his job right now because they, they picked up that other kid from the class of uh, 23 who's top 100, right? Grab Carlton Carrington, who... That's a hilarious name. Great name. Say that a hundred times fast. Carlton Carrington. Uh, great name. Uh, very good shooter uh, from the Baltimore area. Seems to be you know, a pretty big pickup. As so many people from Baltimore are. <laughs> also, uh, Marlon Barnes from uh, Brush High School. Same high school as John Hughley, another four-star guy. So Pitt's got some, you know, some guys coming in in that 23 class to go on top of you know what they're already what they have on this roster so uh, once again you know it's also a nice little mix nelly cummings fifth year guy uh jamarius burton four years you know now they have some guys with experience it feels like so so many times the last few years uh the the theme around pit was oh they're so young if they can get these guys to stick around they're just so young right now um, but there's actually some mix of depth some mix of experience and then you know young guys coming in who can who can make an impact pretty quickly and Nike Sabonde is going for the Trey Tipton career path. <laughs> yeah, just grab that medical red shirt plus a COVID year plus uh, just the why not year. Who's going to stop him? I mean, really. <laughs> the NCAA won't. So are we back in on well, they basketball? They tried to. The NCAA did try to stop him that one year. 
Yeah, yeah, it wasn't cleared until like the eighth game of the year, and it was like at halftime. Everyone got the word, and they're like, "Wait, is or like a ten minutes before tip?" I forget how it played. Out. Yeah, it was like ten minutes before the Miami game. I think they're like, "Well, get the shoes on, Nike." Nike's eligible. Yeah, NCA is a mess. We've talked about that enough, but um, yeah, I I would say Jeff Cable has sufficiently done enough to make me excited about pit basketball again. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. That's me right now. Wow. So do you think that segments like this have a place in future shows? Because the greatest indicator of a a team's success is whether we talk about them. Correct. And by that logic, Pitt football is the most successful program in the history of the world. Correct. We do talk about them a lot. Yeah. So I think we'll be talking about them a little bit more this year, at least for the first few weeks, and we'll see how things go. If it gets too painful to... After a week, you know, if someone someone gets kicked off the team, we lose a guy to season-ending injury, they fight each other in the locker room, everyone quits. Lose to a team from the Sun Belt. The peat burns down. Somebody's girlfriend plays Yoko Ono. That, yeah. So, there are a lot of things that could go wrong, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about that just yet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bask in this, this just fantasy that pit basketball the my favorite team of my childhood could in fact be be exciting again i think i tweeted pit is back like three times over the last four years so i'm gonna not do that i was gonna say you're gonna stay away from that for yeah. a while and gotta respect capel when you ain't got nothing you got nothing to lose yeah so i'm excited for pit basketball um it's a little too far away for me to get, get too worked up about but It'll be interesting to see if if this commitment in the middle of June ends up being the most exciting part of pit basketball in 2022. Uh, I I fear that that may be the case, but only time will tell. Honestly, if Dior Johnson helps the Loyal Suns get from December to August, September, that that makes his legacy worth it. That makes his, his time as a Panther worth it if he helps us bridge that gap. Yeah, we could use some content in those in those months. Yeah, Pit Basketball's back, baby. Let's do it. Now back to our regularly scheduled 30 minutes of rambling about Pit football. Yeah, no games have been played since the last time we talked about them, but good bit of news. Good bit of excitement. Good bit of news. So since we, uh, since the Loyal Suns last adjourned, uh, there have been two weekends of official visits, and Pitt officially sits at 11 known commitments. There's still a couple rogue pat signals, little silent commitments floating out there that we haven't, we haven't confirmed yet, but there's some names that we have a, we have a decent idea, but... The, the 11 guys that we know for sure. Should we just run through the list? Yeah, uh, let's do it. So we're going to use rivals for everything we look at today. I'm going to just sort them based on their rivals rating. Mm-hmm. That's what's most important. I have no clue how they come to some of these figures, but nope. we're just going to go through. So we got Bryce Pullock, a defensive back from Snellville, Georgia. We got Isaiah Neal, defensive tackle from Baltimore. Antonio Kamen, a DN from Tampa. Kenny Johnson, a wide receiver from York, PA. Kenny Minchie, the quarterback of the class. He's All from, the Kennys. He's from Tennessee. 
Zion Fowler, wide receiver from Jersey City, New Jersey. He was the first commit of this class back in October. Shadarian Harrison, athlete from Lakeland, Florida. Shelton Lewis, defensive back from Southbridge, Georgia. Montravius Lloyd, a running back from St. Petersburg, Florida. Rasheem Biles, an athlete from Pickerington, Ohio. And Braylon Lovelace, a linebacker from Leechburg, Pennsylvania. Whippy old recruit. So all told, um, Pitt has 13 commitments in this class out of 26 official visits from the last two weekends. It's a 50% hit rate. That is a 50% hit rate, which is impressive. How do we feel about the the quality of this class? And, and you'll feel free to get into specifics about anyone that you're really excited about. Yeah, so right off the jump, I mean, I'm excited about Kenny Mitchie. Yeah. Uh, a quarterback named Kenny is is one thing. But, you know, we sat here and watched his highlight tape the one night. Um, you, you can only tell so much from a high school a high schooler's highlights. I mean, there's not really much you can take from it, but we sat here and we're like, all right, he's made a couple, like, unreal throws, throwing guys open. It's not just open receivers running down the field. He's throwing guys open. Um, he seems to be really adamant about, you know, helping lead this class. That's what you want from a quarterback, you know, trying to get some other guys to come in and play with him. Some of the receivers have talked about, you know, what it would be like to, you know, catch passes from him moving forward. So I'm really excited about Minchie. I'm really excited for Zion Fowler. Um, he just kind of seems like a freaky athlete. He had the number one play on Sports Center at some point last year on a on a dunk in a basketball game. He's a pretty good hooper as well. Um, so I'm really excited about him. He's a receiver. Um, you know, always get excited about the skill position players mm-hmm. a little more. Um, but those, those are the two guys who've really stood out to me. Yeah, I'll touch on Kenny Minchie real quick. On top of the highlight tape, uh, he's also going to be the Elite 11. So eager to see him there. I think he looked a lot better than what I expected from a highlight tape from a guy that came into pit pretty early on. Also, Minchie is a three-star on rivals, but no doubt in my mind if he had committed to, you know, a uh, school in the SEC, uh, you know, an Ole Miss, uh, a Florida State, he would have four stars next to his name. Well, he's a four-star everywhere but rivals. Okay. He, yeah, he's he's a four-star on 247 for sure. And I was reading an ESPN article that referenced him amongst, like, the highest-rated dual-threat quarterbacks and how his commitment to Pitt basically left the cabinet empty if you were a college football team, a high-level college football team, looking for a decent dual-threat quarterback in this class. So that's pretty cool. He's ours. (laughs) I'll touch on the receivers a little bit more. I like all the receivers we have, and um, you mentioned Zion Fowler. I think Kenny Johnson was a, a pretty big get too. He's from yeah. from uh He's from a, out near Creepy Valley. Yeah, that's, and that's uh, PSU country out there. I think we got some good athletes coming in, and on top of that, there's one big fish that Narduzzi is trying to reel in still with uh, Hakeem Williams. I think what he says about Pitt, a lot of high praise. Follow his mom on Twitter. Weird, I know, <laughs> but she likes Pitt a lot too. I'm trying to I get into Efton Reed, Mama Bear territory, because she would tweet about Pitt all the time, too, and we all know how Efton Reed ended up. But, uh... Hey, just sucked at LSU. Thank <laughs> and God. And then transferred. Did. My point, 
he says a lot of good things about Pitt, so it makes you think we have a real shot. Even if we don't get Hakeem Williams, even if you just go to Texas A&M and they pay him like five hundred thousand dollars, five hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Ever, Doctor, talk about five stars. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But yeah, if I'm we don't laughing. get, I'm just laughing looking at Hakeem Williams' twenty four seven page. It's just Georgia, Pitt, Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn. <laughs> I don't know. That might not be his top six exactly, but those are just the five schools. There's four schools that are warm in the interest category. Heating up a little bit. Yeah. It's Georgia, Pitt, Alabama, and Texas A&M. You know, all the usual suspects. The the usual suspects. I think my point before I got all worked up about high-key moves was I think we have some good receivers even if we don't get him, and I think um, they've done a good job filling the void of certain receivers leaving our program. Well, I think they addressed that pretty well in the transfer portal. I mean, I've been hearing really good things about Bub Means. Uh, apparently, you know, there's a level of confidence that he's going to get cleared for this year, and that if he does, he will be sliding in as that number three receiver uh, behind Mumfield and Soldier Lane. Are you, are you two in the headspace where I can share some potentially harmful opinions. It is June, so we have plenty of time to, you know, cool down. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm disappointed with the recruiting process thus far, but I do share the opinion of many Pitt fans that were kind of hoping for a couple more fireworks and that's not just in like who we have thus far it's who we have basically taken ourselves out of the running for going forward because of who we have allowed Um, so to elaborate this upcoming weekend is our big recruiting weekend Uh, and we have or at least we, we have a, a long list of you know high-powered recruits, had a longer list of higher-powered recruits set for this weekend. However, all of, all of the big headliners are in positions that we essentially have filled already. So we're pretty much covered in the secondary, linebackers, wide receivers, and defensive ends. And all of the four-plus stars that we have visiting next weekend are in those four position categories. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned because uh, we've we only have one defensive end you know position really open yet we still are waiting to hear from two two top two hundred guys in Desmond Umiozulu and uh, Jalen Thompson. Um, we're still waiting to hear from two cornerbacks that are four stars in Antonio Robinson and I want to say the other one is Jermaine Matthews uh no Braden Marshall okay um however you know we have a couple athletes in this upcoming class that are projected to be in the secondary um Shelton Lewis is a defensive back uh Bryce Pollock and I believe uh, Rasheem Biles is either going to be a safety or 
think he may project as a linebacker. I think well. he may project as a linebacker. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about the linebacker position. We already have commitments from uh, Biles and Braylon Lovelace, which was a little bit of a head scratcher, uh, as well as they're feeling very confident about where where they sit with with Bass, who is the the real the real gem of that class. Uh, and we just got word today that a four star that we were talking to decommitted. Now, whether that's a result of Kansas visit. What? You said decommitted. Oh, I'm sorry. Jalen Smith was supposed to take a visit this weekend. Um, there's some rumors that he canceled it before this past weekend, but I think it's more likely he's going to go to Tennessee is the word on the street. Uh, but apparently there's some pretty sufficient questions about the other three linebackers that were supposed to be coming this upcoming weekend. It's uh, the Harris brothers, Andrew and Michael and Colin Dunn. Um, all four of the people that I just mentioned are more highly rated than the linebackers that we have received commitments from or think we'll be receiving commitments from. So all of this to say, I'm, I'm a little surprised by the, the way the coaches have gone about this. Um, they've, they've allowed some really key positions to fill up before getting the final yes or no or even in, in, from our perspective, a yes or no from some bigger names, uh, and it, this could all change. But I, I was really, really hoping we could parlay this ACC championship into, you know, a bright and shiny recruiting class. Um, I know this is a coaching staff that's very good at finding diamonds in the rough, developing talent. But I imagine it's easier to develop talent that's already. Super talented. So I will, I will push back on that a little bit. With uh, one, if you think uh, Pat Narduzzi and this coaching staff is above over recruiting a player at a position and telling a lower rated kid on their board to kick rocks, uh, I got a bridge to sell you down down on the south side. Um, <laughs> This is college football. It's a business, and no one is above that. So if a kid like uh, Antonio Robinson, a four-star cornerback, comes calling, and they don't have any other room, a kid who's lower on their board is going to get a phone call and say, hey, you might want to take your other visits now. Um, you know, And if they're taking guys and telling them they're 100% locked in, there's no other guys who could bump them off the board, um, then I feel pretty good about what, what the coaches think of them as a football player. Um, and how to move forward. Um, I also think there's this infatuation, and I know I'm not one of those stars don't matter guys, like four stars and five stars typically are the best players. Um, Yeah. But if we're discussing the difference between a kid who's ranked like, I don't know, 250th in the country versus 300th in the country, like, do we really think that matters? I'm I'm not looking at anyone specifically, but, you know, we get so caught up in this, the difference between a four and a three star. I mean, half these sites can't even agree on who who's worth three stars, who's worth four stars. So I think you know, Pitt fans wanted to see more stars in the in the column on on our recruiting page on on rivals and twenty four seven. But I I don't completely agree that we're not landing like we're we're out recruiting schools that are in our in our weight class and maybe even punching up a little bit. Yeah, I think overall you can tell quality of players better than it was a couple of years ago just basing off of what other teams are interested what top fours they have i think there's some big recruiting ones that we have against some 
big schools that we used to never stand a chance against. That's what the, and that's what this class. But even look at Pitt's roster. To, to look at this at a more macro view, look at like some of the guys we have flying around on defense. Like this year, we just have uh, Bengali Kamara stepping in, and we've got uh, Solomon Shields stepping in at linebacker. And do you remember like four or five years ago when Narduzzi showed up and looked at the linebacker room and was like? We don't have any linebackers. We have to make Elijah Zeiss play linebacker. We have to have Sean Adowu, a walk-on, play linebacker. Like, so in that sense, I do want to like highlight that and that Pitt has vastly improved the quality of players that we're bringing in. But kind of cut you off there, Squid. My other point was, you are saying that maybe this is as impressive, not as many big names. Right now, we're sitting at twenty-sixth in the country with. Uh, the team recruiting rankings. That does not include the two that have yet to be named. And there's still a little bit of... that. We're at 13 guys right now, so we're probably going to bring in, what, 21, 23? Yeah, and I, that ranking is pretty highly dependent on volume, though. Correct. Like, you look at the guys ahead of us and behind us, it's teams with higher average ratings of players but lower numbers. I don't have those up, but I'll just do it for it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I just... I'm, I'm not going to be a rating snob. I'm, I'm not some attendance state, you know... Recruiting ranking state. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> which, which, by the way, I'm going to get into more this more another time, but I'm, I'm developing a system uh, to... <laughs> to figure out how Penn State um, kind of surmises its value in its football team and it's all based on like off the field accomplishments like attendance how, attendance how many four star recruits that don't pan out uh dollars raised by thon you know all the all the important <laughs> stuff uh whiteout games record in whiteout games 9 and 8 if um, i saw <laughs> if i had a dollar for every person complaining about the Penn State Minnesota game being the whiteout game this year, I'd be able to bring Jordan Addison back. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of people that say <laughs> we like the fact they're above Minnesota. It's like, <laughs> I'm gonna need Tanner Morgan and Ibrahim Muhammad to do to to just kind of be heroes. But any anyway, that was a total side thing. I'm not a like rivals ranking snob, but the way you in my eyes, can effectively build a program and make sure it it stays and you you maximize your success window, which Pitt is in right now. They are they are in their window to be very successful in a high high level. You capitalize on last season's success by going out and getting, you know, the best athletes you can, leveraging that success. And I I think the as it stands now and you know, I, I spent all morning not working and looking at the guys, you know, left to commit. And I don't love our chances with a lot of our higher rated, you know, potential recruits. This class might end up not only being not as good on a, like a per player average basis as last year's class, but the, the class before that where we where we, you know, the lower level players that we picked up were probably worse than this one, but we still got Nakai Johnson and Elliot Donald. So 
not only is this class as it sits not a major step forward but it's just kind of the same if not worse than the last two potentially based this is based on what recruiting rankings yes yeah exactly so that that's why it just it's hard for me to put too much stock into it because I, I think we're going to spend some time looking at some of the old recruiting classes here in a little bit. I did this not that long ago. Looked at some of the guys Pitt landed over the past. I looked at probably the last 10 recruiting classes going back to 2012. There's going to be a consistent theme for you. And I'm not saying this means, you know, this means that landing four-star guys doesn't matter, landing higher-rated guys doesn't matter, but you're going to see a theme that a lot of these guys who are ranked four stars, who are highly rated in these classes, didn't really do anything at Pitt, may never have stepped on campus at Pitt. And there are a whole bunch of guys in the middle and at the lower end of that class that the, that the staffs have identified and turned into really, really good players for, for the program. Um, not to say that, you know, that it has anything to do with their star rating, but I think this is, I think this is Pitt fans not being able to enjoy, you know, the good that's been happening and just figure out a reason to complain and and be worried and wonder why, like, we're never going to be good. I don't know. This has been a lot more negative of a segment than I expected to be. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I I told you guys to expect it. I, Squid, you said this earlier. This is all stemming from Pitt taking a commit from, like, a single-way linebacker, Braylon Lovelace. And people are worried that like we took a local kid that doesn't have many stars. I, I will admit, I, part yeah. of my theory was, uh, let's see, what happened was you, you touched on Jalen Smith at a visit coming up. He's not coming now because we took too many line, not too many linebackers. We filled up our linebacker spots essentially, and the last domino to fall was a single A Webbyol kid. And people are like, why didn't we tell him to wait and try to get the better guy? And then I think the stem of that was. There hasn't been anything to complain about for a while. So now Pitt fans are like itching to complain about anything they can and find. And it's gone a little bit overboard. I get it. I think it's a little overboard. I think we're acting as if we are like the 60th best class in the country. And we're like losing guys to Buffalo. No, you have a good point. Pitt fans do just love to complain. But it was... I mean, if you if you follow... We love the, the, we love the bitch. We do love to bitch. Not just complain. We love to bitch. This mm-hmm. is true. Mm-hmm. But if... I don't know. There, there is an article on, on the lair that kind of broke all this down. It was like, yeah, so we filled our linebackers. So we're probably going to... So so four guys coming. One, we already said, canceled so that he can commit to Tennessee. Uh, but there's a good chance the other three are also canceled. And it was all like way higher rated guys than... And, you know, so you compare that to... Oh, so we can give this guy an offer so that we can cancel. What are we doing? Is this just to like prove Western Pennsylvania supremacy because we missed out on uh, Robinson and Gallagher? Yeah, I mean Braylon Lovelace. Like, if he played for Clareton or Jeanette in single A instead of Leechburg, I I think you would be hearing a different tune from Pitt fans. Pitt fans know who are from the area know that like Leechburg isn't some football powerhouse, right? And we're familiar with it. It's more, you know, relatable. But those I, same Pitt fans were probably the same ones that were complaining about Pitt not recruiting Skymore like four months yes, ago. They yes, were probably saying, exactly. 
why didn't they bring in Sky Moore? He was in our backyard. I don't care if Western Michigan was his best offer. Exactly. Four years later, it's easy to look good. That's yeah. a really good point. So if Lovelace ended up at Virginia Tech, Virginia so. Tech, and then torched us for right three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, if you think he's well, a he's player, a linebacker, so if he got three touchdowns, that would be very, very bad. <laughs> but that would just kind of feel like our luck. If if you if you are sitting at the Western Michigan game watching it, you're thinking like. I could see some local kids scoring three defensive touchdowns on us when Pitt is having one of these days, well, actually, when the forces of the universe are acting against us. Funny enough, the kid who sealed the Western Michigan, or not sealed, he had a pick in the Western Michigan game, didn't exactly seal the game, um, and I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he actually played for Obama of the City League. So, like, the two killers of Pitt that day were just Western PA kids. I knew we should have taken that kid from Obama over... Uh... <laughs> Damari Mathis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think there's reason to be upset that we haven't landed these four stars and, you know, guys to get excited about, but um, I also don't think the sky is falling and Pitt can never recruit Ab- Absolutely, and I, I hope it doesn't come across like I am raising the alarm. I'm just saying the point we're at now, I think I had kind of hoped that we'd have a couple, like, Pretty big names, and this could all change wildly. I mean, if we right. got if we got Antonio Robinson and stole Desmond Umiozulu from Ohio State, which I'm not super confident in because they don't have any defensive end recruits, and he is the only weak side defensive end visiting them this year, so they're probably going to go all in on him. Um, but if we could steal like those two guys, my tune would change dramatically. And if if the unthinkable happens. The Hakeem Williams dons a pit hat at some televised commitment ceremony. I will I will shut my mouth so hard they'll feel the breeze in Happy Valley. Should we go to his commitment? <laughs> like I don't know what high school yes. he goes to off the top of my head. It's down in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll just show up in his gym. Sounds like a good excuse to get to uh, go to Florida. Yeah, we can like... I mean, Forge some press oh passes. Gosh, in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, no. <laughs> Spring break. Let's go. What's our What's our establishment in Fort Lauderdale? Bahia Mar. Or the Elbow Room. The Elbow Room. Yeah, we'll go celebrate at the Elbow Room afterwards. Take Hakeem and his, and his parents. That actually sounds like something I would like dream and then just like text you guys in the morning. Like, yeah, this really weird dream that we were at Elbow Room and we were just watching a video of Hakeem Williams commit the pit on our phones. We just talked about how we don't trust the people making recruiting rankings, but if there's like one crystal ball to pit with like any level of confidence, I will go to his commitment. <laughs> I think it's open to the public. I don't think it needs to be. I think we're going to find a way in. No, there's there's some really. If we big... say we came from Pittsburgh, they got a lot of sin, right? <laughs> I would think. I just don't want to have to keep following his mom on Twitter as she drops like really cryptic stuff. So, are we okay? Are we okay with the recruiting right now? We're, we we would like this. Can Give we us say one we person that you like in this recruiting class that we haven't talked about yet. Then we can move on. Uh, I say I know. Okay. Isaiah Neal, he's he's good. He is. I a, know he's gonna. Be he's good. a. Not that it matters, because you know I'm not a not a rankings, you know snob. 
Uh, but he is a high three star, and if there's one position I like trust implicitly, we'll never question. It's Charlie Partridge grabbing a slightly underweight defensive tackle and turning him into the bane of the ACC's existence. I'm really high on him. Uh, Montrevious Lloyd, for no other reason than this just feels like like oh like Pitt hitting a home run. I, I like, Well I was gonna say for in terms of names, uh the best names in the class are Montrevious Lloyd and Shadarian Harrison. Yeah, yeah. Two insane athletes. Shadarius is is Shadarian is gonna be a uh receiver, correct? That's what he projects as. I believe so. So I mean Izzy was a three star, Hammond was a three star. I don't know if James Conner had any stars. AJ Davis and Todd Sibley both four stars. Right. Quadri Olson, three star. So Pitt has a great track record with three star running backs with awesome names. So basically Pitt just landed the next uh Doak Walker Award winner. That's what I'm saying. Congratulations, Montrevious Lloyd. Exactly. Oh, Bryce Pollock too. I think he's gonna fit into the system really well. Okay. See, we needed some positivity. That's too hard. I... Whatever. (laughs) Well, we decided to go through a little exercise to put everyone's fears at rest. We're going to go back to 2016, which would have been the first full recruiting cycle for Pat Narduzzi. Kind of run through who the top-rated guys were and who the not-so-highly-rated guys were. And I, I think, you know... You'll start to see a trend here. Uh, recruiting rankings, not always correct. So, um, we'll get kicked off with the class of 2016. So, um, all of our ratings will be based on rivals. Uh, so, when we say our stars and you come back and tweet at us later and say that uh, George Hill was not a four-star, just know that we are looking at their rivals.com rating. So, uh, to get started, the four stars in this class, there were five of them. The most of the Narduzzi tenure. Um, it's quite the haul. Is that enough for you, David? Be More! Pretty, be pretty happy about five four stars. But, alright, let's read through the names. Damar Hamlin, Ruben Flowers, Kazon Pugh, George Hill, and Amir Watts. Two of those five. Two of those five were meaningful pit football players. George Hill was ruled medically ineligible, uh... Don't doubt that he would have been a good player for Pitt. Unfortunate uh, for him. Kazon Pugh, really excited about him out of Aliquippa. Just a freak athlete, linebacker, but was also a sprinter for the Aliquippa track team. He transferred to Howard after like two years. Just didn't cut it. And then Ruben Flowers, he was here. He redshirted. I think he played in six games at Pitt and then went to Division II Finley College. So, And he was a top 250 player. Correct. So... That's just uh, one example here of those four stars not panning out. So so I might be opening a can of worms here, but how do you feel about DeMar Hamlin's legacy at Pitt compared to the hype he received I out of th- high school? I think DeMar Hamlin had kind of a roller coaster career because obviously with the, he was so highly touted, people wanted him to play right away. Um Pitt ended up burning his red shirt, which ultimately didn't end up mattering uh, because of the new red shirt rule. They, he got a waiver, whatever. But I remember 
uh, them sticking him in there as a true freshman, him just getting burned against Virginia Tech. Um, and Clemson. And Clemson. So they, so they move him to safety, and I think we can all agree by the end of his time at Pitt was a very solid, very more than solid, very good player mm-hmm. for, Pitt, for Pitt football. Um, and went, you know, went to the NFL, six-round pick, and, you know, get some, get some PT for the Bills. So I think, you know, obviously he came in as a four-star, highly rated four-star, beat out Penn State, Ohio State. He committed on local local news station. But um, DeMar Hamlin, he's a, he's a proud pit man. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think he met the hype. If you play for a couple years and are a quality starter, I think that means that you're a very good college football player in pit standards. Uh, same with Amir Watts. It's kind of weird seeing him as a four-star, but he played a lot for Pitt. Wasn't maybe the ceiling of a four-star guy, but he played a lot. Good starter. And the, the thing about Jamar Hamlin is I think anyone that would say, like, oh, he didn't live up to expectations, um, this was before I think we realized, like, oh, Narduzzi almost intentionally sets his corners up for failure. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then he made the move to safety and was a short tackler, made a ton of plays. And I think uh, a lot of people think, you know, kind of covered up for some of the the uh, freelancing, we can call it, that Paris Ford did. He he did a lot of, of covering for, for Paris Ford, I think. Right. But they were a really cool tandem. They were great friends and played together. So great story. Um, we like Hamlin. But not to get caught up on this. So let's look at the two stars in this class. That's right. Two stars. We're going to skip right over the three stars for now. Um, Patrick Jones. I like him. All-American defensive end. Now plays for the Minnesota Vikings. Rashad Weaver. All-American defensive end. Now plays for the Tennessee Titans. I like him too. And then Elias Reynolds, linebacker, play a little bit of pit, but uh, ultimately transferred out. But those two, Pat Jones, Rashad Weaver, the gems of this class, two of the three, two stars that they took in this class. So yeah, I'm convinced Charlie Parker could turn all three of us into like a third team all ACC, all ACC defensive end. Yeah, I mean that that's probably a lot of that is the magic of Chuck Partridge, but. I, I do want to know who looked at 6'5", 245, Rashad Weaver in high school and was like, two stars will suffice. <laughs> That's all he needs. Well, even Rashad Weaver, I think he had... Um, didn't he get kicked out of Michigan's recruiting class? I think he wanted to go to Michigan, but they wouldn't let him commit. So he said, screw that, I'll go to Pitt. Yeah, I mean... I don't know how why his offer sheet does not reflect that of a two star. So I don't know how that worked out. But I think that was his story. Goes to show you, maybe the guys punching in the stars on this platform don't know everything. Even with Patrick Jones, early on, I remember the Oklahoma State game when we got slaughtered at home. He came in in garbage time and was making a lot of plays, and I was like, you know what? I don't know what to expect of this Patrick Jones guy, but I like him based on this. I'm looking at Patrick Jones's offer sheet over Dylan's shoulder, and I just saw Pitt, Cal, Duke, Illinois. So Pitt and, like, the three worst Power Five programs <laughs> in football. And then James Madison and Marshall. So. One one note I want to throw up before we move to 2017. Uh, Sean Moss, uh, the three-star running back, um, 
kind of flying in the face of my theory behind Montrevious Lloyd. Yeah, three-star ooh, running back with a ooh. sweet name. I wish you didn't point that out. That, that being said, Chantez Moss was good when he played here, but I think just couldn't figure it out. So, he he had a really good game against Marshall, I remember. He had some flashes. He had some flashes, but just didn't. That never fit Fode. Um, some other names, notable names in this class. Mo French, uh, Keyshawn Camp, Zach Gilbert, another uh, guy who was ruled academically, or I'm sorry, medically ineligible in this class. Phil Campbell, Aaron Matthews, Rashad Wheeler, um, some Chase really, Pine. Chase Pine. So some really quality guys. And then uh, the QB of the class, Thomas McVitie. I know a lot of Pitt fans out there uh, thought he was going to be the savior. But instead he just sucked, and then he sucked at Kansas. If Thomas McVitie was a stock, a lot of Pitt fans would have lost their houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to 2017, class of 2017. We've got three four-stars in this class. Starting at the top, Paris Ford. The absolute gem and uh, just biggest recruit of the Narduzzi era thus far. 51 in the country. I'm not even going to ask you guys how you feel about his legacy uh, relative to the hype coming in. Because, holy shit, we don't have enough time to unpack all of that. We could probably do a Paris Ford special one day. like Just on like a dead day in the summer. And we just want to talk about Paris Ford for two hours. Probably. Just the most complex figure in polarizing in the last 20 years of pit football yeah that is a that is a name that won't be soon forgotten no but uh next charles reeves four-star tight end from steubenville ohio uh never stepped foot on campus and i believe quit the sport of football he did I don't think I've ever heard that name before, to be honest. I remember he was huge. 6'5", 265. I think he has an Ohio State offer. On his page he did at least, so that excited me. It was a big deal at the time. People were excited. And then third is Anthony Davis on his recruiting page. Some of you may know him as A.J. Davis. He'll be finishing up his last year of eligibility at James Madison. We uh, wish him the best. We wish him the best. Was never, uh, you know, exactly what we had hoped he would be as a four-star Running back, but. yeah, I think that was a case of a guy. Just I mean, he came from a Lakeland, Florida, that they play some good football down there. I've heard, but Chris Rainey's high school, and a lot, Damari Mathis's high school. Yeah, a lot of players come from Lakeland. But as soon as you got the pit, you realize this guy doesn't look like what an all-American high school running back you would expect in college. What about him? <laughs> he just really couldn't make anybody miss. Wasn't very fast. Wasn't very strong. Yeah, he was just a guy who was good at getting a couple yards and getting tackled. So, all right, those are the three four stars: Paris Ford, Charles Reeves, AJ Davis. Also in this class, Todd Sibley was fairly highly touted as an unarmed All-American, only a three-star on Rivals. Um, but let's go through the list here of some of these three stars: Carter Warren. Actually, I want you to start from the very bottom because I, <laughs> I'll start from the very bottom because. The bottom four guys all played and are still playing. Lowest rated guy, uh, Kirk Chrisadulu, punter. What do you expect? That rating must be based on his hands. (laughs) He was a two-star. Specifically in that Penn State game in the rain. Um, Our other two-star, one of David's favorites, Owen Drexel. Hey, he's going to be a multi-year starter. If you can get mm-hmm. multiple years of starting out of a two-star, that's a win. Ten exactly. times out of ten. So our only two-stars 
played a lot of football. Uh, lowest rated three star, Jason Pinnock, played a lot of football at Pitt, still playing football for the New York Jets. And then one up from that, Deslin Alexander, uh, two time captain. Pretty good. Still here. Pretty, 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 pretty good. good. Pretty good. So. Some other guys in this class who play a lot of football for Pitt. Uh, Gabe Hoy, still in, with the program. Uh, Cam Bright, good riddance. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Twyman was pretty good at Pitt, All-American. Went, he, and, he and Paris Ford both went to the uh, Quadri Henderson School of Why Did You Leave This Early? What made you think you could leave this early? To be fair, Paris Ford, if he didn't do everything in his power to tank his draft stock, probably could have gotten picked up a, fair, a little earlier than he did. As in, not okay, picked up. Let me, let me... I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. They went to the Quadri Henderson School of pre-draft personnel putting some bad information in your ear. Because somebody told Quadri Henderson that... Uh, leaving could be Devin year, Hester. Leaving a year, year early... To be a kick returner would would work out for him. Someone got in Jalen Twyman's ear and told him, like, yeah, just get as big as you possibly can. No agility drills, no jumping rope, just just get huge. Just bench as much as possible, whatever. And then someone told Paris Ford, you don't need to learn how to run in a line. You don't need to work on your, your vertical at all. Yeah. So, yes, the Quadri Henderson School of Bad Pre-Draft Information. Got it. All right, and then we got uh, Damari Mathis taking the fourth round of this year's NFL draft. Played a ton of football at Pitt. Carter Warren, already mentioned him, but he'll be a starting left tackle this year. Will play in the NFL. And then we've got a guy named uh, quarterback from Oakhurst, New Jersey. That name there? Uh, Kenny Pickett. Mm. So uh, next time we complain about a three-star, let's just remember that uh, that could be the next Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, only a 5.5 rating, not even ranked nationally or at his position, and his best other offer is Boston College. UNC, UNC made a late push. I know, I know that was the... Uh, Iowa? Yeah. So. Honestly, Kenny Pickett in Iowa has to be like the biggest sliding glass door thing ever. Did you see that stat last year where they win like 100% of their games where their quarterback has over... A 100, like, passer rating, which is, in college, insignificant. <laughs> like, like a, a pedestrian performance is a 100 passer rating, but if they have a quarterback with over that rating, they are undefeated in, like, the last two or three years or something. So, could you imagine Kenny Pickett? They would have been a dynamo. Well, no, they would have put him in the power eye and been forced to, like, a play-action bootleg twice per drive and that would be the extent of his we're, and you don't think he, uh, <laughs> you, you don't you don't think he'd adjust what we're not going to do is talk about Kenny Pickett playing for Iowa <laughs> next class of 2018 one four star in this class it would have been funny Macau Salihudin um, Michael Salihudin however you say it from DC four star running back this guy like this was kind of a, kind of a big deal you know he, I think he ripped off like a 26-yard run in, in an early season game and then like bitched up a storm about not getting more carries and then transferred mm-hmm. and then Pittsburgh Sports Now decided to run a story that said, does Pitt have a star problem? 
because all the four stars that we were getting this was like before Paris Ford was playing a lot and then all of a sudden they made a big deal out of it um yeah then he went to like NCA&T and I don't I can't find anything else about his college football career so yeah we really missed we really missed out on that one he had offers from Clemson Georgia Michigan North Carolina Oklahoma I mean, USC, he was West Virginia, Wisconsin. He was committed to you. He was a big deal. He was the 127th. Ohio player. University. There you go. Um, but yeah, he didn't do much. It happens, especially with running backs. Um, no two stars in this class, but so some other. You know, Who was the lowest? Who was the lowest? Is that a guy named? Uh, how about Baldonado? That's right. Huh. Absolute bottom of this list. So we got have a ball not. I imagine I imagine they got some pretty good evaluations on a kid that started playing out in Rome, Italy. Fair. But he ended up in Clearwater, Florida. There's plenty of scouts down in Florida. True. So we won't we won't give them a complete pass. I will say this class leaves some to be desired. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing some names here. Shocky Jock We probably thought we would get a little more from him at Pitt. Um, Valique Carter, the Duke killer. Literally significant in two games in his career, both versus Duke. Like wildly significant in both of those games. Correct. Um, and then we've got, and then we've got uh, Judson Talandier. Uh, he's still here. He's still around, playing some snaps for us. But he was kind of a bigger deal when he came in. Devin Danielson has been a consistent, you know, presence at the, in, in the interior defensive line. All right, Eric Howlett, uh, John Morgan. Jake Cradle, Nick Patty battling for the starting QB job this year, Blake Zabovich. So they got some players out of this class. I'm sorry, Marquez Williams. Don't want to skip over him. He's been really solid since he's been here. Um, so solid class, no real stars outside of Haba, who shows up at the bottom of this list. Um, but this might be a class that we're looking at this year, right? One four star and a bunch of three stars. Nothing jumps off the page, but uh. Yeah, there's some players there. Oh, no, I, I kind of think we just all... I agree with Dylan that this was a pretty underwhelming class. I mean, we've got John Morgan, and that's cool, but this is not their finest form. So I mean, Hobbleball and Aldo makes it all worth it. Exactly, and I will say, looking at this class, my, my thought is... You know, there's some other names on here that we're not going to name every single one off, but looking at this list, there's just a bunch of guys who are just dudes. For, like, they're just... Contributors, contributors for Pitt, other than Haba, and I John Morgan. I'll give John Morgan the game change. Not a ton of game changers in this class. So you want to see some more home runs. So that's fair. I think that's fair. Call that class that. All right, class of 2019. We're gonna move on. Um, One four star again, and it was a quarterback named Davis Bevel. You guys remember him? Peach Bowl. Now, now transferred to Oklahoma. Did we ever talk about how weird that is? I think. I don't think we gave it enough face time, but... <laughs> That's weird, right? Like, Oklahoma. The Sooners. Boomer Sooner. A little odd, not gonna like, lie. Like, consistently the best quarterback room in the NCAA for, like, years. And I don't, I don't think that's even changing that much this year, because... They, they got a great recruit coming in, and Dylan Gabriel's not nothing. Davis Bevel. Yeah. I mean, like, good good for him. Like, genuinely good for him. But, like, what? <laughs> I'll be ripping my heart out for him to get a 
get some snaps there. Uh, let's look at the two stars. That's three of them. Um, the first two, Nate Temple. He's, he's been kind of just a reserve guy in his career at defensive end. Liam Dick. Um, like him for, you know, obvious reasons there. <laughs> um, and then... Like grab his jersey. The very bottom of this list is is one Servassier Dennis. And this is the one that every everyone's going to throw back in your face when you talk about stars, right? Yeah, and I saw in Lair a million people were like, well, Servassier Dennis was a two-star, and then people kept pointing out, like, well, it, he was like a very late add-on, like, kind of a flyer, and that's pretty different from filling your linebacker room halfway through June with more visits to come. But I get your point. Maybe He was the last uh, player to sign in this class, February 2nd, 2019. So he was a late, late sign, signee, and you know what? They hit. They hit on that flyer. I, I, am, I am noticing a trend here of, of hit getting more production out of the bottom of this list than the top. I, I will admit that. I know that was the whole point of this exercise. I was not going to go down without a fight, but... So, just some other names on here so we can kind of run through. Um, two of the high, higher rated guys in this class were running backs, Vincent Davis and Daniel Carter. Um, haven't got a ton of production from Daniel Carter. Vincent Davis, as much as we wanted to complain about uh, him and his career, has played a ton of football for Pitt. But, like, did they did they think he was going to go through a growth spurt? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they've just been praying for it ever since. Next on that list, Kalijah Cansey. Enough said. Um, you know, all preseason All-American. Really but, weird offer sheet. Really weird offer sheet. A little undersized. Team's afraid to pull the trigger. Not Chuck Partridge. App State, Florida A&M, Florida Atlantic, Florida International, Georgia State, Georgia Tech, Marshall, Dominion, Southern Miss, UAB. It does not get better from there outside of Pitt, but he is a preseason All-American. Good call, Coach Partridge. Uh, Brandon Hill on this list. Another All-ACC guy. Um, Some misses on here. Uh, I'm going to highlight some. So Jared Wayne on the lower end of the three-star, absolute soldier. A.J. Woods contributes. Um, there's some misses on here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call a couple out. Will Gibson from Aliquippa, that was a disappointing one. I think that was a guy a lot of people were hoping would be, um, you know, just another quip to pit pipe, pipeline. Never really cut it here. Kai Wright, he's been very underwhelming in his pit career. Um, they flipped him to tight end, right? Correct. Yeah. So came in as a linebacker, now he's a tight end. Not going to lie, outside of Jared Wayne, A.J. Woods, Brandon Hill, Kalaja Kansi, Davis, Vinny Davis, and Voss, uh, the rest of this class is pretty underwhelming. I'm still, I'm a Matt Gonsalves uh, truther. I'm just waiting for him to get his opportunity. Yes, he's also in this class, so that's a guy who, you know, could could contribute, but once again, we've got like seven guys in this class. Also, I I think we're gonna look back on your characterization of Daniel Carter, and we're gonna scoff at it. I hope so. He's about to be a big bad man this year. All right, let's move the class to twenty twenty. Um, got a few more uh, four stars to talk about here. Kind of interesting four stars. So number one, Dayon Hayes. I mean, he made a breakout at the end of last year. He was a big deal coming in, local kid. And, I mean, we've talked to Dayon. Dayon's a friend of the pod. Well, I think we're all I think we're all excited to see what he he's does. He's going to be hilariously good this year. Yes. 
Um, Javante Royal, still struggling to crack the rotation, has played more of a reserve role. Um, he was a big he was a big deal when he committed from St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Yeah, everyone gets excited when we get those big six three defensive backs. Yeah, hasn't done much so far. Pit Rashad ba- Bat. Oh, sorry, Rashad Battle is next. Rashad Battle has played more football than Javante Royal, but also has not been exactly a game changer on the defense. Um, I can't really find a position. Right, they've moved him around a couple, a couple times. I think the jury might still be out on Rashad Battle. I'm not. I'm not giving up on him. But those are the four stars. Um, scroll down. Two stars. We're not going to give too much face time on this one. Daniel Morega and uh, Ben Sauls. So they might have been spot on on those ones. Yeah. The the I will say uh, rivals. You did it on those two. Tip. Got got to tip your cap there. Really thought Ben Sauls should have been a four star. I remember <laughs> tweeting about that whenever he committed. All right. Look at some if of the ben three Saul's stars com- here. <laughs> Look at some of the three stars here. Jalen Barden. Um, I think we're still excited about him as a as a potential studded receiver. Uh, Bengali Kamara. All we've heard is good things about him in the preseason. Solomon Shields, another guy who's supposed to play some linebacker for him. Izzy Abanakanda. We know about Izzy. We know about Izzy. Three star felt low when he came in. It still feels low. Um, Branson Taylor, O-lineman, just hasn't cracked the that veteran core yet, but I, I think he's probably going to be a, a staple in the offensive line after this year. Um, and then we've got... Uh, uh, so J- no! Jordan Addison no. was a three-star. <laughs> was he any good? No. I don't remember. To be fair, half the schools wanted him to play like safety. Notre Dame and... Uh, some others we won't mention, but um, yeah, he was pretty good while he was here. I don't see any uh, California schools on his uh, on his offer sheet. That's weird. That's weird. You know, no more. No like more. They they only come around when the champagne pops. No more. All right, we're gonna move to class twenty twenty one. So these guys only have been on campus for a year at this point. Um, they were true freshmen last year, so. Don't want to get too deep into this, but three four stars. Elliot Donald, not much you need to say there. Nakai Johnson, same thing, another local guy. Naquan Brown, he was a late commit. He's already gone. He's transferred. Um, that was a weird one, right? Like, was committed to LSU. LSU saw him in person was like, oh, you're not nearly as big as we thought you were. Kick rocks. And then he came to Pitt, and wasn't there, like, some serious consternation about whether or not to actually... So, what I've heard is Charlie Partridge knew best, shocked, and wasn't really thrilled on taking him. And they were like, we're going to take this four-star linebacker slash the end. Um, he was like, okay, guess what? Came here, couldn't cut it. So, uh, he's gone now. I don't know where he ended up or if he has found a landing spot yet, but... Yeah, um, he went to... But the first two four-stars are promising. Uh, L.A. Donald and Kai Johnson. Scroll down, we're going to look at one two-star, Trey Anderson. I think he's still on his, like, Mormon trip, mission trip, whatever they do. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole big thing. Um, um, please share. Yeah, they have to, like, spend so much time... Um, 
I'm not well versed in it, but I don't think he's here yet. I think he's going to be here when he's like 23. Really? I don't know if he'll be that old. I, I'm I, exaggerating I, a little bit, but pretty sure his dad played in the NFL or something, or as a college coach. Either way, we're not going to spend too much time there. Dorian Ford is in this class. All right, but I'm going to highlight the guys who have already played. Uh, Rodney Hammond, looking like a stud early mm-hmm. on. Um, There's someone we really got to focus on. That's Gavin Bartholomew. Gavin Bartholomew. Snatch him from uh, University of Buffalo. Yeah. That is... Gavin Bartholomew is just the funniest thing ever. Because this staff has so consistently just whiffed on tight ends. And some low three-star we grab from the middle of nowhere comes on campus is an immediate star. Yes. Bart is... uh... Might be the gem of this class when it's all said and done. Probably is. He's, he's definitely the early front runner. Uh, we've also got Philip O'Brien. That's PJ O'Brien. He played a lot of snaps. Dylan, I'm going to stop training. you right there because what you said was hilarious. You just said Gavin Bartholomew, a three-star tight end from... How do you say that? How do you say that? Shoikilhaven? Shoikilhaven? Whatever. Shoikil. You just said that that guy will probably end up being the star of the class in a class where we have... Aaron Donald's nephew. <laughs> I could have let just breeze by that sentence like, like it was nothing. Fair. Uh, no disrespect to Elliot Donald. But. So PJ, PJ O'Brien's in this class. He played a lot of football as a true freshman. Um, Jaden Bradley played a good bit of football as a true freshman. And then there's some other guys who we've heard uh, talk about pretty highly. Cleo Anderson. Yeah. I've heard uh, his name a couple times. Noah Biglow. So... Uh, Renda, Jake Renda might play a little bit, but so early on this class looks like it could shape up to be a pretty damn good one. To be fair that it was our highest rated class in the rivals rankings. Okay. Of, that we've spoken about. Yeah, but so, how, how so much team, did he, big one for team rankings. How much did uh, Gavin Bartholomew boost them rankings? That's a fair point. That's a really fair point. So so what are we all all joking aside, what are our takeaways from this little exercise? I think our takeaway is we took away absolutely nothing. This is such a crapshoot. I I can't believe how frequent misses are. Like, these last three or four years made a top ten team nationally. Yeah. Like, these these were the bones for one, one of the better teams in the country last year. And there were so many misses. So many. That was like a that was like a twenty or thirty percent hit rate. But those uh those lower lower level guys that came in got developed, the right guys, the program guys you brought in, and you've got some all Americans mixed in. I don't think this is just us being biased pit fans. I don't care enough to go through other schools' recruiting rankings and examine how well their two star players did. But I gotta think we're one of the better schools at turning two stars into actual productive college players, right? I'm not being a homer and saying that, right? How about Nato's very possibly going to be a first rounder this year and but we plucked him that's out. Of not, home. That's not all that common and we just listed off like probably four or five NFL players that started at Pitt as two stars. Yeah. I I mean I think Pitt has a track record. It, Guys come here, they develop in studs, they go to the NFL. 
regardless of the team's success over the years, Pitt puts out really good football players. Um, and Pitt has the resources and has... If you, if you bring in the right guys, which I do think that is such a big part of this, bringing in the right guys, not just chasing the stars or whatever it may be. If you're bringing in the right guys with the right attitude, right mindset, um, and they come here to work and buy into everything that Pat Narduzzi's selling, uh, they have a chance to make themselves into really good football players. So I guess if there is a takeaway here, it's deep breaths, everyone on the lair, if we haven't landed any four stars yet this class. Deep breaths, me. If we haven't landed any four stars yet, just trust the coaching staff and, you know, hopefully we can, uh, we can work out a couple more titles. If, uh, if history repeats itself, we'll be looking at Braylon Lovelace as first team, all ACC linebacker in about three years. So no pressure, kid. Before we get to our interview with Cal, we wanted to take a moment to let our faithful listenership know that the Loyal Sun Show is currently in the market for additional sponsors for the 2022 season. If you or someone you know would be interested in having us promote your goods and or services to Panther Nation via this show and our social platforms, please reach out to us at loyalsunsemail at gmail.com. That's loyalsonsemail at gmail.com. You can also DM us at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. We are happy to provide data on our listenership, engagement, and impressions upon request. All ad revenue will go toward enhancing the quality of our show, increasing our efforts to promote the pit brand, and probably a little beer. And now... Cincinnati Bengals long snapper Cal Adamitis. And be sure to stay tuned after our outro and Sweet Caroline for a little bonus content from the interview. Please welcome back onto the program our friend and Cincinnati Bengal Cal Adamitis. Cal, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's Friday. Uh, I'm actually back in the Berg for the weekend for Memorial Day. We have a couple of days off, but uh, you know, had to had to rep my new squad. Uh, but don't worry, you know, I, I'm still wearing my pit gear everywhere as well too. So I'm I'm hailing, but I'm also you know who dayin'. So yeah, which which is a pretty good transition to my first question. How fucking dare you? <laughs> are you I'm are sorry. you Cincinnati really? <laughs> You know, I had to. Uh, it's you're gonna to give us an emotion. You're gonna give us an emotional <laughs> investment in an in-division rival. I'll spin it for you, Cal. It's because you want to be close to home, and you can travel in on Saturdays for the pit games, and then get and back. I had to make sure for... T. Boyd's doing well, so you know, there's there's other pit pit connections over there. Yeah. Have you gotten the chance to talk to to Boyd yet? Yeah, a little bit. He's he's uh he's been taking care of the rookies and uh, making sure everybody knows that that I'm his, his fellow pit boy. So it's been helpful. He's a he's a good dude. So he's looking out for me. We love that. So, uh, you know, oh, that's that's good advertisement for the the pit fraternity in in the NFL. Hopefully, some uh some recruits will listen to this. But uh, so so that's actually an interesting transition. How did you end up with the Bengals? Because honestly. I don't think we have any idea how post-draft free agency works. Is it just kind of a free-for-all? 
Yeah, so it is, uh, it's a little bit of a free-for-all. Basically, throughout the, the winter and spring leading up to the draft, um, you know, I had a good idea of the teams that were really looking for a snapper that were most interested. And uh, for me, the top three, and I'm not even sure, I might have mentioned it last time I was on, but top three were always uh, Cincy, Green Bay, and Atlanta were the three teams that, you know, were open, that they were looking for a guy. Um, and then just throughout that process, it, it was uh, a little bit similar in some ways to, to college recruiting where, you know, you're, you're on Zoom meetings with the coaches. Uh, the coaches come work you out personally. And, uh, you know, when it came down to draft day, um, you know, obviously was hoping to, to hear my name called. But going into the draft, you know, I, I, my wheels were turning a little bit just knowing, hey, you know, if, if I don't hear my name called, you know, I have to make I get to make the decision for myself. And uh, it was like seventh round after, um, you know, the Packers, Falcons and uh, Cincy had all made their final picks. And, you know, Cincy didn't have a lot of picks this draft, uh, whereas Green Bay had like three seventh round picks and uh, Atlanta had like two seventh and a sixth. Um, so I really felt like one of those two teams would pick me. Um, and then it was after they all had made their picks, the, the last couple picks of the draft were going down. And, you know, my phone was kind of blowing up from um, Green Bay and Atlanta. Um, I talked to Cincy earlier in the day and they were pretty upfront about their game plan and how they felt, um, you know, Coach Taylor needed to, to load up the secondary a little more with some of their late picks. And Green Bay and Atlanta were calling me and, you know, I had I'd worked with their assistants and built a good relationship with the special teams assistant at both those places. But it, it wasn't really until they were done picking where like the head special teams guy actually like, called me personally. And and it, it was one of those things that I didn't think was as big of a deal leading up to the draft. But then when this was actually all kind of going down and it was like, all right, this is in my hands to choose like where I want to go and, you know, put basically bet on myself um, and having known that every time I talked to Cincinnati, I talked to their head guy. I talked to coach Simmons, who's been in the league for 19 years now. It just kind of, when it came down to that moment of like, all right, where do I want to go? It was, it was just a trust thing. It was like, Hey, every time I've talked to Cincy, I've talked to coach Simmons, their head special teams coordinator. And then Colt Anderson, their assistant was always on those zoom calls as well. And, and coach Simmons personally came and worked me out and uh, even brought his son with him. Like I, I met some of his family through that process. And, you know, it was only, at the end of the draft that I even talked to green Bay or Atlanta's head guy and just kind of thinking about that, I was like, okay, you know, they can say all they want with how interested they are, but kind of putting their money where their mouth is it. Right. It, it, it meant a lot that I'd talked to Simmons consistently throughout the process. And, and it was, it was, you know, a little, uh, a little painful, um, you know, cause we were at the North park lounge and obviously that's a, that's a Pittsburgh joint. And Kenny was there for a couple hours, you know, hanging out and, uh, it was it was definitely interesting, but it was also cool. You know, I definitely felt the love when when I kind of made an announcement that I was going with the Bengals and was going to sign with them. And and there was just, you know, probably about 50 or so people in the North Park Lounge all screaming who day and and, you know, just cheering for the Bengals and just we were just chanting who day. And it was it was cool. It was, a, it was an interesting moment, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, that's kind of what led me to, to choose Cincy. Well, there's no better better time to be a Cincinnati Bengal than right now, I bet, right? I'm Absolutely. Sure morale's the size has ever been. Yeah, it's just a, a young, you know, confident team and and uh it's it's exciting and you know, exciting for me with Coach Simmons. You know, he's not going anywhere. He's been there nineteen years and you know, has always been one of the most well regarded special teams coordinators in the league. Um and then the guy will be competing with Clark Harris. You know, he's he's been in the league for a while, he's a veteran. Um 
you know, he's, he's a great snapper, but, uh, you know, they're also very open and upfront of, Hey, you know, we, we, uh, they, they might start considering to go in a, another direction. And that's where I came into the picture. And, uh, so either way it's the competition between us and, uh, you know, whoever wins the job is, you know, I think going to be one of the best snappers in the league, just based on how we're going to compete this summer in camp. So. Awesome. Well, it's, it's, it must be pretty interesting knowing you're going in there and that there is a veteran that's already established and, you know, they're kind of throwing you in and saying, all right, go, go compete, go, go take, go take this crafty veterans job. You know, how does, does like meeting him, does that make it like a little bit awkward? You know, a little, I, uh, I kind of going into it was just like, I'm going to, you know, be seen and not heard at first. And, you know, I give him and, uh, Kevin Huber, the punter who's been there a while credit. They've, they've both been very, you know, open and, and, um, trying to help me along and help develop me as a player. Um, you know, and I'm sure that that also is because that they're, they're very confident in their ability to win the job, but, you know, I'm also very confident in my ability to win the job. And, um, you know, I've, I've never been the, the type of guy to, to shy away from, from competition. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there unless I did think I had a chance to win the job and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting vibe, but it is cool. You know, the, the football community in a lot of ways is, is very tight knit. And one of the first things that Kevin Huber, the, the veteran punter said, he said, Hey, you know, Ryan Manilak, right. Who's the linebackers coach at Pitt. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh, of course. Like I love coach man. He's, he's a great dude. He was very, you know, fundamental in my development as a, as a football player at Pitt. And uh, he was like, yeah, I, I lived with him for, for two years at UC. <laughs> so they, they played together. Uh, when Coach Narduzzi was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, and then Kevin Huber and uh, Ryan Manilak lived together for like two years together, so it's it's wild how it's a small world. That is a small world, and it, it's good to hear uh, that they're they're taking care of you. I know it's been a really hot button issue lately because Tana Ryan Tannehill came out and said it's not his job to uh, to you know help matriculate uh Malik Willis so it's it's interesting to hear kind of from your perspective as someone who is coming in and there are veterans that are already established trying to keep their job but that they're also you know providing you know some sort of counsel to you as a young player absolutely and it it comes down to as well you know it's uh something that I put a lot of thought into over the spring and it, it it's uh kind of comes down to playing the long game as well and just trusting your ability as a, as a player, because, you know, I, I strongly believe in everything I heard throughout the process. Um, everyone who knew coach Simmons um, was just very open of like, yeah, he's, he might be the best special teams coordinator in the NFL. Like I, I believe he is the best, best special teams coordinator in the, in the NFL and uh, just having the opportunity to be, you know, coached very personally by a guy like that, you know, obviously hoping to win the job, but, worse comes worse I don't win the job you know I spent a couple months learning from a guy who's a heck of a coach and a, also a heck of a snapper and I feel like it puts me in a better position the wherever wherever my next opportunity is to to win the job and keep the job um because you know it can be just as just as bad for your career to um maybe get your shot before you're ready you know if I if I hadn't developed where I needed to develop and uh you know, played on a team where there's less competition or maybe a, not as high of a standard at the long snapper position. Um, you know, you have a bad season and that kind of puts you, puts you two steps backward. You know, you take a step forward, it t- puts you two more steps back. And then there's the whole next class of snappers coming and they're like, well, this guy already got his shot, but you know, I don't think he can do the job. So just, uh, I feel like I'm in a great spot to, to be very prepared for, 
for when I get the get the call. Well, tell us a little bit about your uh, brief taste of the NFL so far. I know you've only been there for a little bit, but what's it been like? What was that first day like? Was it uh, maybe more grueling or challenging than what you expect, or you just kind of getting your feet wet? Yeah, so uh, no, I, I definitely uh, you know the the best way I can describe it, uh, which someone someone who I know and, and trust a lot told me this phrase and it, it stuck with me and it's very true. It's a, uh, it's like drinking through a fire hose a little bit, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to, to get what you can, but everything is coming a hundred miles an hour at you. And um, it's definitely, it, it's a lot, but um, you just gotta not let it shake your confidence and just, just trust the process. Cause you know, if, if you're not getting coached hard um, and you're not just leaning into the adversity, that's, that's uh that's only going to hurt you in the long run and um it's it's definitely intense you know for me our punt schemes and playbook at Pitt was probably about maybe five to ten pages long you know through from end to end of rules assignments alignments every look you could get and you know not to divulge too much but our our punt playbook alone um at Cincy is is pushing 50 pages long um just between schemes and potential looks and just other things and it was like as soon as I stepped in the building, I'd go into Coach Simmons' office, and I mean, he would just be peppering me with questions and I and asking me to draw schemes. And we're watching tape, and he's like, "All right, what's the guard doing this play? What's the slot do? What's the personal protector making the call? You know, what are what are the things we're looking for? What are the cues you're looking for in the rush? Just it's just a whole another level, and you know, to have success at that that level, everybody on the field has to know what everybody else is doing. So that's that's been in a, a little bit of an adjustment, but it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, after two weeks, I, I, I feel like I know more about special teams than, you know, I, I learned and no, no offense to Pitt because coach Powell's a legend. He's a heck of a special teams coordinator, but, you know, in, in two weeks, I think I've, you know, absorbed about as much as I did in five years at Pitt. So. Yeah. I imagine it's a different monster, but it's you, you crazy. said My only, uh... 50 pages. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 50 pages, um, but it's it's just because it, it's super detailed and you just need to know, like, in order for it to work, everybody has to know what everybody else is doing because there's just so many different rushes and twists and all types of things you can get. And um, the, the, the thing that um, I guess is more of a factor in the NFL as well is, you know, in college, you could have – if you could – if you – put your better players on your punt team you could keep things very simple and just be able to outman the punt rush team whereas in the nfl like every player that's stepping on the field is pretty much just as good as the next so there's no oh i'll just put a bigger guy there or else they'll just put an even bigger guy you know in the nfl (laughs) so it's like the it really is like the scheme has to beat the other team as opposed to just letting your players kind of beat the other team so I think in Madden there's three total punt plays. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, like yeah. Maybe I'll 25. have to talk to Madden and get them to to update it and make it a little realistic. Show you some I think respect. it's the best yeah. play in football. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually funny because um, so for our loyal sons, we had we had planned to have you on like right after the kind of right after like a couple weeks after the draft and you're heading into rookie camp and uh and we we postponed because uh you're really trying to get the playbook down and you know we we support you and we want you on that team but there was an instance behind the scenes where we were like how big could his playbook be like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, good good for him you know make make that team but like (laughs) 
just just snap the ball, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a little little bit more than than that now for me. So those days of just snapping it and hauling ass downfield are are uh, no longer for me. <laughs> Something that you talked about, you kind of were our teacher about what teams look for in long snappers. You said some NFL teams look for a guy who can just snap the ball and block. Some teams want a guy who can charge 50 downfield, 50 yards downfield and make a play. Uh, what kind of scheme without, I guess, getting in trouble for revealing trade secrets uh, to the Bengals runner? What are they going to ask of you? Well, you know, I, I feel uh, what they'll ask of me is is pretty standard. You know, there's um, the, the fact of the matter is most long snappers in the NFL, even if you're the best, most athletic long snapper in the NFL, you're still probably not they're still probably going to be able to find a dude to line up in front of you. Who's more athletic than you. So in terms of the schemes um, for the long snapper itself, it, it can be pretty standard in a lot of ways in terms of the rest of the, the core, it can vary a lot, but for the snapper itself, it's, it's pretty standard of like, Hey, you need to do whatever possible to snap the ball and get your head up in time to actually block somebody. Um, and then whatever you do after that is a bonus. Um, so in terms of the, my my personal job, like you said, it, it doesn't get um, too different. It's just now knowing what everybody else does because that affects my job, you know, affects what I'm telling the guards or what the guards are telling me or what the personal protector is telling me to look out for um, just because it, it, the speed of the game is so much faster. So it's there's a lot more of like trying to predict what the other team's going to do as opposed to me just being like, oh, you know, I'm going to, snap it and get my head up and block somebody. How do I make a road to glory player uh, be a long snapper now? <laughs> That's not hey, a bad idea. It's still idea. the best job in football, though. <laughs> so uh, as, as far as, um, you know, your acclimation to the city of Cincinnati, uh, have you tried Skyline Chili yet? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to catch some flack for this one, but uh, I actually have not tried it yet. Um, I've been kind of on a mission with, with what I've been putting into my body um, just throughout this summer. And, you know, I'll, I'll find time to, but at the, for the time being, just trying to catch up with everybody else, Skyline Chili doesn't align very much with, with, you know, how I'm trying to take care of my body, but uh, I'll definitely give it a try soon. Um, you know, I, I, I will have to say, you know, from, since the, the the kind folk of Cincinnati that I've met so far, I have heard mixed reviews. Um, some people say it's it's overrated, but um, others, you know, live and die by it. The one thing that I do think has had more of a consensus on everybody loving is Grater's ice cream. So I, yes. I, I got to try that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, so I, I went to school in Ohio and I lived in Ohio for a little bit. I've tried both. Grater's phenomenal ice cream. Uh, okay. My, my advice for you as far as uh, Skyline is um, get the five way, you know, just jump the whole way in, you know, so you, you got to get it with the, the diced onions and, and beans. And um, as, as far as like how it is as a food, it's not good, but it's also delicious. You, you should only eat Skyline at your lowest point. <laughs> it's kind of like because like it tastes good but you like it, it's objectively like kind of weird and gross and the whole time you're eating it you're like i i deserve 
to be eating this. So, so when you're hungover is the best time to have skyline chili. And if you really want to be a Cincinnatian, just, just pour a Rheingeist truth all over it. And it becomes Cincinnati soup. Oh my God. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it feels real. It, it sounds real. It, it sounds sounds like the six way or whatever. I guess you said five way. The, the Ryan Geist makes it the six way, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a pretty terrible sales pitch. <laughs> I, was I said it tastes good. It's just terrible. One of my teammates who's from Cincy, who's on the team now, um, he said Skyline is perfect for similar to what you said when you're you're hungover. It's perfect for when you're just trying to clear the system. Said there's no no better natural laxative you'll find than a bowl of Skyline chili. So I was like, I'll take that for what it is. But I mean, there's always there always comes a time where you're just like, I need something to just clear the system. So maybe that'll be my first Skyline experience. There you go. There you go. If you need to. <laughs> to drop a little bit of weight really quickly uh, for a way or something is, is there yeah. outside of their fine noodles and meat sauce? Uh, what have you learned about Cincinnati since you started? Yeah. So uh, this might also cause some controversy uh, with the, you know, the, the Pittsburgh faithful, but I, I heard it from a couple people before I was going there. And I, I do have to admit being there, it's, it's very similar to Pittsburgh, like just the structure of the city, um, the topography of the city, just the way the stadiums are all on the river. It, mm. There's, there's a lot in like the, the heavy, uh, like German and Irish influences. It's, it's very similar to Pittsburgh. And maybe yeah. that's part of the reason why there's so much beef, but I'm like, I'm going through and my first weekend, I, I spent all of Saturday just kind of driving around, checking out all the different, like neighborhoods and parts of town and just like every it was so easy to memorize where everything was because everything was so reminiscent of like some part of Pittsburgh because there's like Mount Adams which is basically like Mount Washington just like a little less steep of a mountain but still like a little overlook onto downtown then like the riverfront where the stadiums are is like basically the north shore then there's over the Rhine or like OTR what people call it it's like a little back inland from downtown which is um, basically kind of like a combination of, I'd say like, if you combined maybe East Liberty, like now that it's a little nicer and like the strip, cause there's this place called Finley market. That's like very similar to the strip. That's like an outdoor indoor market where they have like all the fresh produce and stuff. So there's just, there's a lot of little simul- similarities, which, you know, it's made me feel at home quicker, but it, it is, uh, it is, I know all the, all my, my, my Pittsburgh faithful people hate hate to hear it but it is very similar in a lot of ways well come the end of the season you will have played all of your games over the last five years on the ohio river so it's probably very comforting for you absolutely maybe when i'm down there you guys can uh can make a little raft and float like a case of icy light or something down the river for me (laughs) (laughs) that can be arranged that can certainly be arranged (laughs) that would be a heck of a experiment to see if we could make that happen (laughs) i don't know which way it flows but i'm willing to try yeah i I think it would flow yeah oh yeah yeah because to the mississippi right yeah yeah yep yeah all goes yeah exactly there we go all right we're gonna we're gonna buy some inner tubes and uh and some duct tape and see what we can do (laughs) let's go I have no clue to be honest. I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's like a system of locks and dams, which may make it tricky, but um, 
Yeah, I, I have no clue, to be honest. <laughs> we'll, we'll worry about that. We'll, we'll get it there. Well, that, that's on <laughs> us to figure out. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> so aside from Icy Light, of course, what will you miss most about being in Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, obviously, like, just all my friends and family. But um, I have to say my my one consistent complaint about Ohio is the drivers and the roads in Ohio. It's, yes. uh, it's, it's crazy. So from, so the per like the, if you're coming from Pittsburgh to Cincy, the last leg of the journey is like South on, what is it? 70 or 71 from Columbus to Cincinnati. The one and with all the reason, hell is real signs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just straight and flat, but it's only two lanes and, people just like cruise in the left lane and it takes you like an hour and a half to two hours to get from Cincy to Columbus and like how flat and straight it is like it should literally take you an hour hour 15 at most and you're just like driving and you can't pass anybody because everyone just there's a lot of left lane cruising I don't know and my dad has always said the same thing I never really understood it until like making this commute but that is my one complaint I'm like why does it take so long to get through Ohio? Like it's so flat and straight that it should not take nearly as long as it does. So <laughs> maybe I'll miss, but then the, the flip side of that coin is Pittsburgh roads aren't that great either. So no, it's tough to say I'll miss the pit, the roads in Pittsburgh, but I definitely am not a huge fan of the roads through Ohio. That's fair. That's fair. They, they, Ohioans, they, they drive a little skittish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, in my in my personal a, experience, it's a unique phenomenon. I don't I don't yeah. know what the reasoning for it is. Well, that might that might beat uh, the Yinzers driving reckless. I don't know. Might get places <laughs> a little bit slower, but it's probably a little bit safer. Hey, you got to get where you're going. You know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we'll let you you go here in a minute. But I I was hoping you could tell us if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see Cal is uh, sitting in his car right now. Where are you right now? So uh, since I'm in, in Pittsburgh for the weekend, I'm actually in the parking lot of Ross Park Mall right now. Um, had my first ever NFL payday yesterday. So I'm not going crazy. I'm not, I'm not like a jewelry or like chains type of guy. But, you know, I, I figured with, you know, I, I earned just to maybe get a little nice shirt or something like that. Uh, be, be linking up with some of my, my Pittsburgh buddies tomorrow night and <laughs> maybe hitting the town a little. So, uh figured I might as well celebrate a little bit and, and uh, yeah, try to find something, something nice to wear out tomorrow. <laughs> Would you say you were stopping? Was it, was it, uh, um, it wasn't Vineyard Vines. It was, uh, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm checking out the, the, I like the van store a little. Okay. Uh, I like, I like colorful stuff. Um, I don't, Lulu is way too expensive for me. I can't do Lulu. Even for you, a and professional then, like, athlete. Oh, well, I'm still, I mean, I'm still trying to get that big contract, maybe some contract too, then I'll be a snob and I'll buy all my outfits from Lulu. But for now it's, I'm still linked working with some of the, the intro brands and uh, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a big like vineyard vines guy or I don't know, like the golf shirts aren't, aren't really like my, my thing. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's just for, for my personality and like, just how I look with the big beard. Like I don't pull off the kind of like <laughs> golfer finance bro look very well. It's just like, I'm a big barrel chested dude with a beard. Like 
the, you know, it's the, I'm I'm somewhat limited in in some of my my choices. Get this man a flannel. <laughs> that's right. That's that's the perfect. That's the best season for me because I have one flannel that I love, and I'll just mix up the jeans and the pair of boots, and it it works the whole fall and winter time. Well, Cal, it sounds like you're gonna look great uh, this fall, the new man on campus in uh, in Cincinnati. So you're you're feeling good. You're ready to roll. What's what's next for you? Yeah. So uh, basically, we have OTAs. We're in the middle of our like off season program, and then OTAs are like the latter half of that till mid June. Um, then from about June 20 till July 23rd is when we report for camp. We'll have some time off, be chilling out, and you know, putting some, some finishing touches on my, my prep going into my, my first NFL camp. So you know, it's going to be a heck of a summer and a, a nonstop year, but uh, just looking forward to, to the start of this process. And also as always looking forward to supporting my, uh, my now uh, the school I'm an alumni of university of Pittsburgh, watching the, my boys ball out. So I'm excited to watch them this fall and, you know, Pitt baseball is having a, a good run in the AC tourney. So mm-hmm. that's, that'll keep me busy. Awesome. Well, you, you know, the loyal sons are rooting for you every step of the way. So, uh, so best of luck, get in there, you know, knock some heads around and hail to pit. Will do. Hail to pit. Luck, Cal. Hail to pit. All right. Thanks guys. Thank you for tuning in to The Loyal Sun Show. As always, subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at The Loyal Suns. Thank you for continued support, and keep tuning in to listen to us blabber and complain about anything and everything that is pit football. And basketball, I guess. Thanks again. And as always, hail Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh. Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. You guys got any plans this weekend? Uh, we're probably gonna. Squid, are you going out tonight? Yeah, don't know where. We'll be out and about. Yeah, we're gonna get drunk. Golf scramble nice. Monday, but other than that, who knows? Hell yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I got uh, my girlfriend's cousin's wedding tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to tie on a few with her family. Should get interesting. Shout out to Gabby and Joe. That's right, because weddings are the one instance where, at least in my experience, you can get like sloppy drunk around your family and nobody judges you. So <laughs> Exactly. But it's her family, so there's... Ah, so you do have to... Okay. I have to hold it together to some extent. Well, here's, this is the always, this always works. Just make sure there's at least one person who's more drunk than you, and then you won't be the center of attention. Mm. You're wise beyond your years. <laughs> Last wedding I was at, uh, a buddy of mine ripped his pants. So he was by far the most drunk and out of control. And I got so drunk, I couldn't stop saying row the boat because it was the day Minnesota <laughs> beat Penn State. And uh, <laughs> nobody cared. That's awesome. I was <laughs> My uncle has That's a beautiful. my uncle has a theory that as long as you keep like all of your clothes on, like like suit jacket on, like tie still straightened, keep your shirt tucked in, it doesn't matter how drunk you get, people won't notice because it's always That's the guy who's just like 
like shirt fully unbuttoned, like tie around his head that they're like, yeah, that asshole is plastered. Yes, that's so true. That's that's a great point. Like as long as you keep the top button and the shirt tucked, like maybe maybe the the finishing touch on that that would make that like a perfect plan is having like a handkerchief to like wipe your face because as long as you're not like crazy sweaty yeah yeah because as soon as if you're just like beating with sweat then everyone's like yeah that dude's pretty hammered (laughs) these these are all some good ideas i'm gonna incorporate all of this especially the part where i yell row the boat at her italian family (laughs) that doesn't watch college football (laughs) i think that's real weird it's memorial day weekend have a weekend man oh yeah